What is up, my Sunlight Samurais? This podcast is going to be all about shockwave therapy for erectile dysfunction. We're going to talk everything shockwave therapy, how it works, for who it's for, side effects, benefits, all the different kinds of ED, and it's going to be amazing. This podcast was in-depth, and my guest is Dr. Judson Brandis. He has been a urologist for over 20 years and voted as the top urologist in the San Francisco Bay Area for the last decade. He's also an author, a researcher, physician, educator, caring clinician, and surgeon. He has a lot of expert, and that's why I wanted to have him on the show, because he has the clinical experience to know what works and what doesn't. So I wrote a whole article on this. I will link it for you guys in the description for also a comprehensive overview of the research. But Dr. Judson is giving us a unique insight into the experience that these clinicians have by working with shockwave therapy for erectile dysfunction. All right. Let's dive in and let's have fun. Judson, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Oh, my pleasure. It's my first podcast in Africa. <laughs> that's, that's I'm very excited. You know, I've I've uh, been Europe, North America, Australia. Um, so I'm very, very excited to be on Africa. That's awesome. All right. So the first burning question that I'm sure a lot of people have is why should someone care about shockwave therapy? And I want to give you a quick background because for me, the first time I heard about it, I was like not interested in it. It's like, oh, it's just another therapy that people do. Like, oh, you know, you have you know, like Viagra and Cialis, you have natural supplements, you have, have so many things that you can do. Why should you even care about this shockwave therapy? Yeah, so you have to understand how you get an erection. So do you want me to go take a little dive into how you get an erection? Yes, please. From a from a physiology standpoint, I'll I'll leave the other parts, the, the good parts to uh, people's imagination. But so your heart pumps and the two last places in your body that get blood are your toes and the penis. Okay. But when the blood flow decreases to the toes, you just get cold feet, right? You don't get toe erections. And so you put socks on and you're fine. Your feet don't stop working, but the penis is different. When the blood flow to the penis is inadequate, you don't get an erection. So the penis is like a big on and off switch, right? And if you don't get enough blood pressure in the penis, the penis is off. And so my job as a urologist and as a regenerative urologist is to figure out how to get the most blood flow to the penis. Okay. And so the way I think about it is it's kind of like stacking blocks, right? And you have to be able to reach the threshold blood pressure in the penis, because what happens is there's an artery in the middle of the penis called the deep cavernosal artery. And that artery pumps blood under pressure into the penis. And then there are veins that live on the periphery of the erectile bodies called emissary veins. And in the body, arterial blood is high pressure, right? So the heart pumps and your blood pressure is 120 over 80, but veins are low pressure. So maybe your vein is pressure is six or seven or eight. So arteries can actually constrict or block veins by increasing their pressure. And so that's what happens in the penis is when you get to that threshold pressure, you lock the blood in because you block the veins. And so if you don't get to that arterial pressure, you'll get a full penis, but you'll get a venous leak. And so you won't get a rigid erection. 
So think about it this way, right? You're on the top of a, a burning building in South Africa, right? And there's another building that's six feet away. If you jump six feet, it's a great day. If you jump five and a half feet, it's a really, really bad day, right? So the penis is the same, right? If you get to 101 millimeters of blood pressure in the penis, it's a great night. And if you get to 95, it's a really, really frustrating night. And so what I do is with my patients is I have an algorithm that I use where it's kind of like stacking blocks, right? So you, I use uh, a supplement that contains citrulline and nitrates, right? That will help boost the signal. And then you can use a PDE5 inhibitor like Viagra or Cialis or Staxin or Stendra, right? That gives you more blood pressure in the penis. Then you can use low intensity shockwave therapy that will give you more blood pressure in the penis because you're increasing the vascularity of the penis. Then you can use injection of PRP that gives you more, more blood pressure. Then you can use a vacuum erection device to stretch the penis and get the penis back into good shape. That gives you more blood pressure. And then I have a whole bunch of other stuff like high intensity focused electromagnetic waves. And I've started using Botox for the penis. So anything that will give you another 10 or 15 millimeters of, of blood pressure in the penis is going to get you to that threshold level where you block the exit of venous blood and it's a good night. Yes, that is perfect. <laughs> That's how it should be. That's what we want. But again, why would people care about it if they can just go to the doctor and get something like Cialis? Why would they be interested in Shockwave? Well, because Cialis only works on the signal. And if your arteries are blocked or you have inadequate narrow arteries to the penis, then it doesn't matter how much Viagra you take, you're not going to be able to deliver the blood, right? So if you're max, if you, if you have a lamp, right, and the bulb is blown out on the lamp, it doesn't matter how much electricity you put through the cord, your lamp isn't going to work. And so that's the problem is, you know, especially in America, uh, people eat what they call a, the standard American diet or the SAD, the SAD diet, right? So we eat a lot of foods that are processed and high in cholesterol and people are sedentary and people smoke and they drink too much and they're obese and all those things cause atherosclerotic disease, right? The clogged blood vessels. And so it doesn't matter. You could take a whole bottle of Viagra if your blood vessels are clogged, you're not going to be able to deliver that blood pressure to the penis, right? And so that's what low intensity shockwave does is it causes what we call neovascularization or the growth of new blood vessels to deliver more blood pressure to the penis. I think what I'm trying to get is that what really, so <laughs> did I, did I not answer the question? I'm over two, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, oh, but you know, me, like, hey, you should meet my wife because she always says, "God, I keep asking you the same question and you keep not answering it right." <laughs> so I'm just like going on my own experience because it almost feels like yes, you're explaining it beautifully. It, it completely makes sense. I understand Viagra isn't working because my blood blood vessels are clogged. I need to fix that. Okay. But what got me convinced is when I started looking at the studies, I'm seeing like, okay, wow, we got non-responders going to responders, people going off of Viagra and had like a between 50 and 60% success rate. It's like, oh, wow, this has the potential to heal people. 
And it's like, okay, now I'm interested. So that was kind of like why I'm asking you this question. And because you ha- you're in this clinical, you have so much clinical experience. I'm and, and you're doing a bunch of other things, like you mentioned, you're giving them the nitric oxide, the PDE5 inhibitor, uh, probably DRT as well, penis pump, PRP, so many things in conjunction. So your success rate must be quite sky high. And this is why people must be so interested in this. Yeah, I mean, it, we we definitely do transform a lot of people's lives in my office. Um, and so, but I'm still trying to, to understand exactly what you want me to ask, to answer. I guess I just wanted like, to, who, who does it work on or, or what the success rate is or success rate. It's kind of like the main thing I want to ask. Yeah. So the success rate is really dependent on, um, how you choose your patients. Right. And, and I try to set proper expectations. So first of all, it has to be vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, right? So if someone has had prostate cancer surgery and they've lost nerve function or they're, they're have really bad diabetes and they've lost a lot of nerve function, this doesn't work, right? Cause the only thing that it does is it helps you grow new blood vessels, right? Or if it's a hormonally based erectile dysfunction, meaning your testosterone is really like super, super low. This is not going to work. This only works with vasculogenic erectile dysfunction, right? And this, what I would say is this moves people a class, meaning we, uh, if you're in your early fifties and you're starting to take Viagra, but you don't want to take Viagra, this will help you get from needing Viagra to not needing Viagra. If you're in your 60s and Viagra is not working so well anymore, this will get you to the point where Viagra works a lot better. Or if in your, your, in your 70s and Viagra is not working for you anymore, this will get you to the point where Viagra works okay for you, right? So it's not a, it's not a miracle. It's not going to make a 65-year-old perform like a 20-year-old, but it'll, it'll move the needle for you maybe five or 10 years. All right. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, thank you for answering that. Did, did I get it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, thanks. All right. Oh, so, it took me three times. <laughs> next question is like you already answered how it works. You said about it helps to grow new blood vessels. Um, is there any other mechanism people speculate about the plaque, about stem cells, and those kind of stuff? What's your opinion yeah. on those stuff? So, so you know, I look at it uh, from uh, the perspective of a, a research scientist, right? So, the, what I know is. Um, a friend of mine, Tom Liu at, at UCSF, did the, the research studies on uh, figuring out how low-intensity shockwave therapy actually works. And so what he did is he got a whole bunch of rats, and he did, not him, but he had his research uh, associates do low-intensity shockwave therapy on rat penises, right? Uh, and I don't, I've never actually seen the actual device that they use um to do shockwave on rat penises, but that would be kind of uh, humorous. <laughs> and uh, and then what he did is he cut the penises off the rat and they looked at it under the microscope and they did what we call immunostaining. And what they found was there was an upregulation in nitric oxide, an upregulation in stem cells, an upregulation in new blood vessels, and upregulation in nerves, nerve growth factors, right? And vascular growth factors, right? So that's that we understand 
uh, how low intensity shockwave therapy works. So, you know, if you come over to San Francisco uh, for a trip and you see a bunch of dickless rats, you can thank them for participating in the experiment on low intensity shockwave therapy. Okay. Now, a lot of people say, well, it knocks the plaque off blood vessels. Okay. But think about how you would have to design that experiment, right? You would have to round up a bunch of 70 year old guys and say, we'd like to do shockwave therapy on your penises. And then we'd like to cut your penis off (laughs) and take a look at it under the microscope and see if the plaque has been dislodged. Right. So that, that would really be, um, an impossible experiment to do. Uh, and to my knowledge, there really aren't uh, any rat atherosclerotic penis models that we can use to verify what we're, what we're, what we're saying. Now, there is a company in uh, Palo Alto in, in San Francisco, outside of San Francisco called Shockwave Medical that uses low intensity shockwave therapy through a intravascular catheter to break up plaque in the walls of blood vessels um, in the heart and in other parts of the body. So it's actually really cool. There's like a, a balloon. You should watch the video on their website. It's really cool. There's a balloon, you know, like so when they do angiograms or angioplasty and they, they compress plaque. So they do shockwave to break up the, the plaque and then they use the balloon. And I think it's more effective in opening up blood vessels. So, you know, it's Technically, it's it's possible, you know, that, that it may be happening, but no one's ever proven it. So I, I would never go around telling people, well, this is how it works because it no, can't prove it. Yeah. All right. So you, you mentioned something interesting earlier about how the artery, when it expands, it pinches close the vein. So it helps to pull the blood in the penis. And I think this is why the device works, because it helps with the growth of new blood vessels. My question is, as someone gets older... Why does the blood vessels that they do have stop being as effective? And why do they need to grow new ones for the penis to become effective again? Right. Well, over time, um, based on our diet, our level of activity, our exposure to tobacco and and other sort of carcinogens and, and things that aggravate what we call the endothelium, of our blood vessels. Um, See, I'm trying to think how how scientific I should go. I'll go pretty scientific. So, because actually it's really relevant to COVID because uh, a lot of people that got COVID got erectile dysfunction, right? Um, There there are a number of studies that have come out now that talk about how 20 to 30% new diagnosis of erectile dysfunction after COVID, right? So if you look at a blood vessel under the microscope, there's something called a glycocalyx. What a glycocalyx is, it's a layer of sugar that looks like, um, like grass, right? And what that, the purpose of that is, is to protect a cell called the endothelial cell, right? The endothelium is a single layer of cells on the inside of blood vessels. That's one of the most important organs in our body, right? And so in COVID, there was a vasculitis. There was a big inflammation in the inside of blood vessels that stripped away that glycocalyx and damaged the endothelium. And when the endothelium gets damaged, there's a blood clot that gets 
that's caused on the inside of blood vessels, and then there's exposure to the inside of blood vessels that gets cholesterol and calcium deposited in those blood vessels. And over time, that will build up just kind of like um, like grease in a pipe under your kitchen sink and cause that artery to get blocked or to get narrowed, right? And so if that happens in your heart and you're not careful, you get a heart attack where you lose blood flow to a part of your heart and that part of your heart dies and you could die, right? Or if you're lucky, you'll go see a cardiologist and the cardiologist will do a study called an angiogram where they see that you have a narrowing. And then what they do is they they balloon dilate it and put a stent in there or you need heart surgery, right? And Christian Bernard was the first person to do a heart transplant and he was from South Africa. Um, and uh, But the penis, you can't do that. Right. No one's doing open penis surgery where you do uh, bypasses to the, the arteries to the penis. No one's putting stents into the penis yet because the arteries to the penis are one or two millimeters. The arteries to the heart are three to four millimeters. So they're easier to work with than the arteries to the penis. And so what we have to do is figure out another way to grow new blood vessels to the penis. And that's why low intensity shockwave therapy or gains wave or uh, whatever you want to call it uh, is an effective regenerative treatment for erectile dysfunction. Perfect. All right. So you mentioned earlier, this treatment is mostly for people with vasogenic ED. Maybe it might have slight effects for other people as well, but how would someone know they have specifically vasogenic ED? Um, yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, almost all erectile dysfunction, probably 90% is vasculogenic, you know, to rule out uh, hormonal, just get a lab test for testosterone to rule out um, uh, psychogenic, you could do um, a, a test where you check someone for nighttime erections. So you actually put a band around the penis and you, you can check blood pressures in the penis overnight. Um, and then for neurogenic, right? So nerve-related, it, it usually have a history of uh, multiple sclerosis or stroke or diabetes or um, uh, or uh, you know prostate surgery. So it, usually the the diagnosis is relatively straightforward. Now, if you want to confirm that, you come to a urology office like mine. You get an injection of a medication that will increase the, the blood flow to the penis. And we can actually use ultrasound to measure the intensity of blood flow. And we can look, okay, this person has low blood flow. That's um, vasculogenic. So think, of, think about it this way. You have prostate cancer surgery, you have really bad prostate cancer, but you're relatively young and healthy. So we have to sacrifice the nerves. You don't get that signal anymore for erections. And so when you come into the office and we, when we inject Trimix, which is a medication that causes an increase in blood flow to the penis, you know, your blood flow is off the charts, right? So that's purely a neurogenic, not a vasculogenic related to blood flow. Whereas um, you have someone else that, you know, has good nerves, but they're 75 years old and they're obese and they smoke for a long time and you inject them with Trimix 
uh, and their blood flow is really, really slow because their pipes are clogged. How much of a role does the smooth muscle tissue also play? Because let's say someone starts to get vasogenic ED, chances are the hormones are in the tank, have a high estrogen to testosterone ratio, which is contributing to that vascular leakage. And then obviously in the low androgen state, this is when your smooth muscle tissue will start to atrophy, it will shrink, and will oftentimes be re replaced by collagenous tissue, which will make the penis harder, can't uh, stretch as well. And how big of a role does the smooth muscle tissue play in helping with erection? Because I'm under the impression it also helps with, uh, you know, obviously the smooth muscle has to relax for the blood to get in. And with that also relaxation allows for the proper pinching of the vein. So it's not just the veins, but also the smooth muscle that's so essential. But I think like both are so important in synergy, right? Yeah, yeah. You're a really smart guy. You know a lot of stuff. Um, so the smooth muscle in the penis is a little different than the smooth muscle in other parts of the body. So like uh, the smooth muscle of the bladder or the intestines, it's a, it's a different, it's slightly different than vascular smooth muscle. So if you look, if you, you cut open the penis, which I wouldn't recommend, but I've done dozens and dozens of times as part of my job. Um, the vascular smooth muscle, the inside of the penis looks like a sponge, right? And you have these, these open spaces. But the, the really interesting thing, and I've started to use Botox injections for the penis, and it actually is another block that I can stack to get people up to that level where they're, they're blocking the venous return. The way that Botox works in the penis is in the flaccid state, right? So you and, um, you know, you're a good looking guy, but I'm not that attracted to you. So, I'm, you know, sadly, I don't have an erection right now, right? Nothing personal, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm happily married. And okay, so this, the smooth, the vascular smooth muscle in my penis is contracted, right? And the reason is, I don't want blood going into my penis right now because there's no reason to have blood in my penis because the only purpose of the penis really is, you know, from mother nature standpoint is procreation, right? So there's no reason to waste blood flow in the penis right now. And if you inject or when you, when, uh, you know, say you put your, your wife on the, uh, or your girlfriend on the camera and all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, that's, you know, that, that's pretty good. So then all of a sudden my brain sends a message down to my penis and what it does, it actually relaxes the, the vascular smooth muscle, which makes it easier for blood flow to go into the penis, which then makes it easier to cause an erection, right? And so that's actually how Botox in the penis works is it, for six months, it relaxes the vascular smooth muscle and allows blood flow to go in. Now, testosterone does that a little bit. Uh, testosterone also has the potential to boost nitric oxide and testosterone also gives you libido and that libido, um, you know, it stimulates the brain to send chemicals to open up blood vessels, but really testosterone doesn't have any direct effects on blood vessels. Really erectile function is mostly a purely vascular um, uh, phenomena. All right. That makes sense. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So next question, how long does such a treatment, uh, usually, uh, 
I'm trying to meet. Okay, wait, that should not be the first question. The first question is like, let's just first talk about the treatment itself. So in terms of the duration of a daily treatment of like one specific treatment, the, also the frequency of the treatment, and then what's the ideal amount of sessions to do for the optimal results? Yeah, so, you know, the, the way I have to answer that is really based on what the literature shows. So each treatment should take 10 to 20 minutes depending on the machine, depending on the protocol that you choose. Um, and then most studies look at between six and 12 treatments. And 12 treatments, it, the results on 12 treatments are better than the results on six treatments. And really the best, the best results were 12 treatments, you know, once a week for, six, for 12 weeks. Then they, in that study, they took a six month hiatus and then had the patients come back after six months for another six treatments. Uh, and so this, you know, this really well done study compared six to 12 to 12 plus another six and 12 plus another six gave the best results. But the thing is, it really depends on the patient, right? So if you're in your early fifties with just mild erectile dysfunction, you're going to get away with just doing it six times. There's no reason to do it 18 times. If you're in your sixties, 12 times is probably going to be the best for you. And if you're in your seventies and you really need some help, you know, 12 treatments plus another six plus probably continued maintenance. And then, you know, I have guys that are in their seventies that are running marathons that are super healthy. And I have guys in their seventies that, you know, can't even run to the refrigerator and they're going to need a lot more treatment than, uh, than just 12 plus six. Okay. So there's not really a limit at how many of these you can get in your lifetime. Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about low-intensity shockwave therapy is there's really no downside to it. You know, you, we, we don't hurt people by doing more. You know, it's just a question of do they want to come down to the office and do they want to pay some money to get treated? Um, but, you know, if you had a home service and uh, and all the money in the world, now it's like, it's sort of like working out, right? You know, you don't want to work the same muscle group every single day. You want to work a muscle group and then you want to wait two or three days because you build muscle, as you know, you know, when you're sleeping, by eating protein, by, you know, drinking water, by doing a lot of, of things. So if you did this every single day, you wouldn't really build new blood vessels. You do it, you wait two or three days to allow the neovascularization to occur and then you create another stimulus. So what, you know, what the low intensity shockwave therapy does is it, it activates stem cells, right? So it tricks your body into thinking that there's an injury. And when your body thinks that there's an injury, you get an injury response. And that injury response, well, then one of the first things it does is it activates stem cells. And the other thing it does is it causes the release of growth factors. And most importantly, VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor and PDGF, platelet-derived growth factor, which are critical to accelerating the growth of new blood vessels. Right. So let's say I've done my 12 sessions in six weeks. How long would those results last me? Yeah. So that that's a, another really important question. And a, a lot of it depends on your age. Right. So guys that are younger tend to have a longer response. So the longest study studied this out to about two, two and a half years. And they found in the, the younger population, 
the results lasted out to about two, two and a half years. In the in the older population, the guys in their 60s, and, and I have to be careful about this because right, I'm 55, so I don't want to put myself in the <laughs> in the in the older population. Um uh, you know, it didn't last as long. Maybe it lasted a year, but like I said, you can have a, a you know, like when I, I do VO2 max testing in the office, so I'm 55, but my VO2 max was uh, a VO2 max of a 47 year old, right? So my cardiovascular system isn't of a 55 year old, it's of a 47 year old. So I would respond more like a 47 year old than I would like a 55 year old. And so a lot of it depends not just on your age, but on your physiologic age. Okay. So in terms of comparisons, I assume you don't do comparisons, you rather just stack it. So I'm thinking about um, the shock therapy versus Viagra. How would those compare? Or is it for you like, we don't compare, we just stack? So, via, you know, they, they, that mechanism of action is totally different, right? So the Viagra is working on uh, cyclic GMP. So the way things work on a biochemical basis uh, I don't, I don't know how deep you want me to go into the biochemistry. You can go deep. Yeah. So when there's stimulation of a nerve, a nerve will release nitric oxide, right? And when I was at UCLA, my professor, Lou Ignaro, won the Nobel Prize for figuring out that nerves release nitric oxide. Nitric oxide stimulate vascular smooth muscle to produce something called cyclic GMP. And cyclic GMP creates a cascade of events that open up blood vessels. Now, Lou Ignaro was working on nitric oxide. Another one of my urology professors, Jake Rafer, was working on what's called EDRF, endothelial-derived relaxation factor. And Jake Rafer and Lou Ignaro just so happened to ride a freight elevator at UCLA up together and started talking. And they were talking about their research and and Jake Rafer's like, you know, this nitric oxide sounds a lot like this EDRF that we're we're looking at. And uh, and so Lou's like, well, why don't you come up to my lab and we can talk? And so they sat down and talked, and they realized that what Rafer was doing in his lab on penises was, was the same as what Lou Ignaro was doing in his lab on vascular smooth muscle. And so though that was the 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 conversation that that sparked the understanding of how things work in the penis. And then they wrote the paper that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine on sildenafil, which, you know, is Viagra, which blocks the PDE5 enzyme, right? So when you make cyclic GMP to open up blood vessels, right, you can't keep blood vessels open forever. So there's an enzyme system in the body called the phosphodiesterase enzyme system. And that job of PDE or phosphodiesterase is to break down cyclic GMP. But if you block PDE, then you keep cyclic GMP around and that keeps blood vessels open, right? But you don't want to do that for the whole body. Otherwise, you know, you'll, your blood pressure will plummet and you'll die. The genius of Viagra is that it's specific to PDE5. And the only place in your body that you have PDE5 is the penis. So whereas nitric oxide increases cyclic GMP all over your body, which is why, you know, a lot of elite athletes use it and bodybuilders use it. And there's, there's so many good uses of nitric oxide. 
and even for blood pressure and for immunity, a PDE5 inhibitor is specific only for the penis. And that's why a combination of boosting nitric oxide and a PDE5 inhibitor works really well to boost the signal, right? But Gaines wave or shockwave, low intensity shockwave therapy <clears throat> really only works on building new blood vessels. And so they work entirely in a different way. Now, if you just, if you get erectile dysfunction and you just go and go to an online service and get Viagra and take Viagra, but you don't change your lifestyle and you don't realize that the good Lord is sending you a really, really important message. And that important message is that your circulation isn't working as well as it should. Right. So, you know, in your thirties or forties or fifties, you'll lose nighttime erections, right? You'll wake up in the morning and, and you'll, you won't be at full mast anymore. Maybe you'll be at half mast or less, right? That's the good Lord sending you a message saying your circulation isn't as good as it was when you were 20. Okay. And if you're smart, You'll say, you know what? I haven't been working out as much and I've been eating a lot of crap and maybe I'm smoking or something like that. It's time to change my habits because I'm not going to last forever. But if you're not smart, you'll keep doing what you're doing. And 10 years after you lose morning erections, you'll lose daytime erections, right? So you'll be with your partner and, and you'll be getting into it. And all of a sudden, you know, you'll lose the erection, right? Now, if you're smart, you'll say, uh-oh, that means my circulation isn't what it should be. And I got to start making some lifestyle changes. I got to start exercising better. I got to start eating better. I got to stop smoking. I got to stop drinking too much. I got to be start getting better sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And, but if you don't do that, if you just go onto uh, you know, an online website, order a bunch of Viagra and pop a bunch of Viagra, 10 years from the date that you lost erections, you're going to start having heart disease. And I've had patients have heart attacks, strokes, angioplasties, stents, heart surgeries, you know, it's like clockwork. So this is, you know, this is really a wake-up call. If you have erectile dysfunction or you're beginning to develop erectile dysfunction, it's a wake-up call that your circulation uh, is beginning to become a problem. And guess what? You can't live without good circulation. So, you know, for men... A quarter of men, the first sign of heart disease is death. It's hard to come back from that one. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's erectile function is really important and it's a really important, fun part of life and it's a good way to connect with your partner. But it's also a really good warning sign that things aren't working the way they should be working. And right. it's time to do something about it. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I'll get off my, my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, I enjoy it. Um, is there a specific device that people should know their clinic should have because there's at least six different devices with these low intensity shock therapy? So how would people know the clinic has the right one or would everyone kind of like be adequate? Yeah, so there's two classes of devices. There's what's called a focused shockwave and there's it's called a radial shockwave. So Focus shockwave is like what we uh, urologists use to break up kidney stones, right? And it's the 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 device will will be much wider. It'll at least be 
you know, maybe 15 centimeters or 10 to 15 centimeters wide. And it sends shockwaves to a focal point at the tip, right? And most of the, the research on low intensity shockwave therapy has been done with that, with a true shockwave device. Um, now there is something also called a radial shockwave device. So a, a radial shockwave device, think about it like you're at a, a pond or something like that. And you throw a single pebble out into the pond and the, the waves ripple out from that central area where the, the, you threw the rock into the pond. Right, that's what radial shock waves look like. They radiate out. Now, there have been very few head-to-head studies on radial versus focused shock waves. There really only have been two, and those two studies have shown equivalence between radial shock wave and focused shock wave. There was a, a recent study out of Columbia, the country that looked at radial shockwave and didn't show any benefit for radial shockwave. And so a lot of people are sort of down on radial shockwave, but I've been doing radial shockwave for four years. I know that it works. Um, you know, I, it's worked on my patients. It's worked on my lawyer and my lawyer is a very skeptical guy who would tell me if it, something didn't work. So I know that it works and I, I've done clinical research studies uh, and presented data on radial shockwave. So uh, you know, my gestalt, even though there's never been a head-to-head study, is that focus shockwave probably works a little bit better um, than radial shockwave, but the, 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 that they both work. Um, and then in terms of the devices, they're, you know, most focus shockwaves use a similar technology, uh, and there's never been studies comparing different companies' devices, and most radial shockwave either works as pneumatic or air-driven or works as uh, electromagnetic. And I have one of both and, and they both seem to work pretty similarly. There is an, an at-home device called the Phoenix and that uses a different technology that uses a, a technology like a, like a vibrating device. Uh, and uh, the clear it's clear to me that that doesn't work as well as either an electromagnetic device or a pneumatic device. But, you know, if you're in the middle of nowhere and you don't have a way to get to a clinic that offers low-intensity shockwave therapy, that might be an, an option. Okay, I want to come back to the Phoenix in just a bit. But so, next question. In terms of side effects, I'm pretty sure everyone want to know, like, what kind of side effects? Is it going to hurt? Is it going to lower my testosterone? Is Because, like, you're sending shockwaves right into the nutsack as well. So is there any kind of side effects that might happen? Well, you no, know, there's no side effects and you don't, you don't shockwave the, the testicles, you know, you it's stay by, away but... from the testicles. <laughs> yeah, it's close by, but, uh, but, and if, if, if you do uh, hit the testicle, the, someone will let you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they usually don't keep that one secret. You know, if you, <laughs> if you hit, if you, if you get shockwave on a bone, it hurts. Uh, if you get shockwave on the testicles, it hurts. I use also shockwave, um, I'm not a sports medicine practitioner, but, um, but I'm an ex-athlete. And so I'll, I'll do it for, um, uh, muscular injuries like, uh, for uh, IT band or, uh, breaking up scar tissue in, in calves. 
uh, you know, of, of the legs and so on and so forth. And that works really well for that too. But if you get too close to the bone, someone will let you know. Great. So in terms of uh, penis and whatnot, that doesn't have any side effects, pain or anything funky that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of mild pain. It's like, be like uh, someone taking a little rubber band and just kind of snapping it up against the penis. So it, it's, it's not comfortable, but it's pretty tolerable. Okay, so I'd it's say probably a th- no, and it's not, it's not, no, it's nothing lasting. Okay. All right. So is there anything you shouldn't do after uh, getting a session like this? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't take any non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like Motrin, Advil, ibuprofen, uh, and you shouldn't be on steroids, right? Because this works by creating an acute inflammation. And if you do something that blunts inflammation, like I had a patient, um, he's an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, we were doing his treatment. He was getting great results, and then he threw out his back, and he needed to get an epidural steroid injection, and that just knocked out everything that we were doing. And by steroids, uh, and so, you're referring to glucocorticoids and not like testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you no, know, but if people no are taking that... Medrol or prednisone or any of those kind of things, you know, we just wait until they're done okay. uh, and clear it out of the system because that will prevent the benefits of low intensity shockwave therapy. So does it work for people with post-finasteride syndrome? Most people that have post-finasteride syndrome have erectile dysfunction and ejaculatory problems. Yeah, you know, I used to think that post-finasteride sy- syndrome was uh, made up, um, but I, I've had a, a handful of patients who were totally reputable um, and, uh, and and legitimately had erectile dysfunction. So do you want me to explain what post-finasteride syndrome is, or do you think your, your audience knows? No, please go ahead. Yeah. So um, testosterone is a steroid hormone. So it starts as cholesterol and cholesterol is broken down. And there are basically five pathways. It can become a mineralocorticoid, which affects the kidney and blood pressure. It can become a glucocorticoid, which affects sugar it can become a testosterone, it can become estrogen or progesterone, so sex hormones, right? And then testosterone um, is, a, is a standalone hormone that, that works on muscle, but your body converts testosterone into what's called dihydrotestosterone, right? And so that's just a version of testosterone, but it's a version of testosterone that has a tighter binding affinity to the testosterone receptor. So it binds much more tightly. And DHT, dihydrotestosterone, is more active in certain parts of your body. So in muscle, muscle is mostly stimulated by testosterone. There's no place in muscle where your body converts testosterone into dihydrotestosterone. But if you're you know, a, a bodybuilder that, that uses um, androgens, uh, the dihydrotestosterone derivatives are actually much stronger uh, in stimulating the androgen receptors than regular testosterone and testosterone derivatives, right? Um, so DHT is effective in the prostate, in the scalp, um, and th- that's mostly where uh, you get a lot of DHT conversion, right? And so in the scalp, 
you want to block the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone because if you have too much DHT, then you get what's called androgenic alopecia, which is basically where you lose your hair, right? Like, so look, if you look at my head, I got androgenic alopecia. And so you can take a class of medication, which are called 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, which block the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. And what will that do? Well, when it was initially in, uh, invented by a company called Merck in the United States, it was invented to shrink the prostate and prevent the growth of the prostate, right? And so it, it works pretty well. Um, but what they noticed was um, guys were growing more hair on the head. Um, and that's because dihydrotestosterone is responsible for male pattern baldness. And so if you block the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone, then, you know, it'll grow hair on your head. So Merck was like, well, screw the prostate. You know, this is, this stuff's even better than we thought. And so what they did is they dropped the dose from five milligrams of finasteride down to one milligram and they rebranded it and called it Propecia. And they charged more for one milligram than they were for five milligrams, right? Because People will always pay more for olives than they will for meat. And, and so, you know, and it works okay. It doesn't, you know, it's not going to make someone look like Fabio, but, you know, it, it, it works okay. And, uh, but a percentage of these folks, well, first of all, one of the side effects is a decrease in libido. So I actually took uh, what's called dutasteride, which is a version of finasteride, but blocks more receptors and has a longer half-life. And after about six or eight weeks, I noticed that my libido bottomed down. And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be bald and have sex with my wife than have full head of hair and not have sex with my wife. So uh, I stopped taking it. But a very small percentage of patients will get erectile dysfunction. And we don't know why. And it seems like it's, in some of these people, it's permanent. Uh, I would say... It's definitely less than one in a hundred, probably less than one in a thousand. But if you're that one in a thousand, it's a big, big deal. So I've seen a number of these patients in the office. And what I do is I throw the kitchen sink at them, right? I, I do everything. I don't, you know, it's not an approach like, let me try this, then let me try that, then let me try that, let me try that. Like I just, I, I get them on a nitric oxide booster. I get them on a PD-5 inhibitor. We do shockwave therapy. Do we PRP? We do HIFAM. We do everything. And I've had really good success in getting these guys back to normal erectile function. But what it is that actually works, I don't know. Right. And they, they don't care. <clears throat> it's not like they're not asking me, well, you know, what do you think it, it really was? You know, when guys come in to see me in the office, they want to have better boners. <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> they don't really care. You know, it could be like a, I gave them a carrot soup. You know, if, if the carrot soup worked, great. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. They're just, you know, they're they're happy that it works and, that, you know, their partner is happy. Uh, and so I, I don't I don't know exactly what the, the magic ingredient is or, you know, to me, I work much more in terms of synergies of treatment. That's what I'm looking for is, is stacking blocks rather than figuring out, you know, what that one golden ingredient was. Yeah, of course, synergy is the best. And at least it works. That's all that's important. 
All right. Yeah. So the next next one, you probably treated a bunch of people with Peyronie's disease. Does it work? Um, that's a great question, and it's it's a it's a matter of debate in the urology community. Um, and so, if you attend the International Society of Sexual Medicine or the Sexual Medicine Society of North America meetings, like I do, you know the the world experts will tell you that it doesn't work. Um, I will tell you that if you choose your patients properly, you can get some good results. Um, and that means that, you know, you, you ultrasound the plaque, you see how deep the plaque is, you see how much calcification there is on the plaque. Um, do you, do you want me to explain what Peyronie's disease to your, is to your audience or? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. So, um, if you, if you, uh, cut open the skin on the penis, which I wouldn't recommend doing at home, but I've done a lot, <clears throat> um, you'll see that there are three cylinders. There's two erectile bodies that look like cigars and there's a urethra or a corpus spongiosum, which carries the, the urinary tract, right? And those erectile bodies are made of spongy tissue, but there's a very tough um, vascular tissue that surrounds that spongy tissue, right? And it's uh, it's one of the thickest vascular tissues in the body. So, you know, I've opened up people's aortas before, right? The aorta is the biggest blood vessel in the body. Uh, and the the lining, you know, the, of the aorta is thinner than the lining of, of the erectile body, right? So the the erectile body has the the toughest, thickest lining of any vascular substance in the body. And the reason is that it has to withstand high blood pressures, but also it gets banged around a lot, let's be honest. So, and, you know, if you're out in the wilderness and you're, you're having sex and it, and you slip out and then you try to go back in and you hit a bone and the penis buckles and it breaks, right. Which is what we call a fractured penis, right. You can't procreate. And so you've just basically pulled yourself out of the gene pool and so nature is selecting people with penises that are able to withstand trauma, yeah. right? I mean, but at the same time, it's got to stretch, right? So if your penis isn't long enough to reach the, the vagina uh, and close, get close to the cervix to deliver the, the genetic information, then um, you're not going to be able to procreate either. So what, what, mother nature is selecting for is a penis that is durable, but can stretch, right? And so um, that's what penises are supposed to do. Now, if you um, cause some sort of injury and, and three quarters of the time, guys don't even know what happened to cause that injury, but that injury will cause inflammation and that inflammation will cause a deposition of collagen, right? Creates scar tissue. Scar tissue is tough, but it doesn't stretch. Scar tissue is all collagen is no elastin, right? The, the penis has elastin. Elastin is what allows tendons and ligaments to, to stretch. And so if you have all collagen and no elastin, then you don't stretch. And so the penis, as it's growing, 
with blood flow, right, will start to curve because one side of the penis is shorter than the other, right? It's more constricted than the other. And so that's what we call Peyronie's disease. And Peyronie's disease causes pain and it causes curvature. And, you know, I've seen guys with almost 90 degree curvature. And so what can you do about that? Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot that you can do about it. Recently, there's something called Zyaflex. So Zyaflex is a collagenase. It's an, an enzyme that breaks down what we call peptide bonds. Peptide bonds are little strings of amino acids that attach to collagen, right? And so in scar tissue, you have a lot of these peptide bonds holding the collagen together. And so if you can break down those peptide bonds and then stretch the penis, you'll be able to reduce curvature. Uh, and so that's one way of doing it is to use uh, a chemical or an enzyme to break down those peptide bonds. The problem is one, the Zyaflex, at least in this country, is dreadfully expensive. So it's about $4,000 per injection. It's crazy. And that you need about eight injections. I mean, and so it, insurance companies in this country aren't really enthusiastic about spending $30,000 on uh, straightening a guy's penis. Um, I don't know what it costs in South Africa, but it's a, it's an expensive drug. It's under patent. The company's making bundles of money and it's a, it's a very difficult um, enzyme to make. Uh, and so I think even after they lose their patent, it's going to be an expensive drug. Um, so, you know, is there something else? Well, maybe you can use shock waves to break up those peptide bonds as well. Right. And so, there are certain patients where I feel like the low intensity shockwave therapy can break up those peptide bonds. Um, but I also use a penile traction device called the RestoreX um, to stretch the penis as well. Because if you think about it this way, if you have a piece of bubble gum, right? You guys have a bubble gum in South Africa, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not like Singapore, right? Where you get arrested. <laughs> for bubble gum. Right. So if you have a piece of bubble gum and you try to stretch it, it's sometimes it's hard to stretch, or at least for me, because I don't look like you. But um, now if you chew it up, you can stretch it really easy. Right. But then if you chew it and you stick it on the desk and wait a couple of days, all of a sudden it becomes smaller and it becomes more difficult to stretch. So if you're breaking up the scar tissue, either with an enzyme or with shockwave therapy, and you don't stretch it, it actually becomes shorter. And so this stretching device, it actually looks like a, almost like a medieval device where they draw and quarter people. Yeah, uh, it really kind of does, um, but it actually works really well. Um, I, what I have my patients do is, first of all, I even treat them in this device. So I'm stretching the penis while I'm, I'm breaking up those peptide bonds. And then they have to stretch at home, you know, about 40 minutes, 20 minutes, twice a day uh, in order to get improvement in the Peyronie's disease. Um, and if, if you don't do that now, if you have a big calcified plaque um, that's the size of, you know, a, a good size coin, um, this shockwave is not going to work and don't waste your time. You know, I'll go straight to Zyaflex or, I'll have 
sometimes I'll do shockwave therapy on a plaque to kind of soften it up so that the Zyaflex diffuses through the plaque. Because you, you can imagine if you were injecting, and when you inject Zyaflex, it's only three-tenths of a milliliter, milliliter, right? So it's like 10 drops of uh, of this enzyme, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so 10 drops of an enzyme costs $4,000, American dollars. You know, it's it's more... <laughs> more expensive than gold. Um, uh, but it, you know, if you were injecting that into a piece of chewed up bubble gum, you wouldn't get a good diffusion of that, that, uh, that enzyme. So sometimes I use shockwave to kind of break up the plaque to make it softer so that it diffuses through better. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, there's some interesting research also on uh, boosting INOS helps with Peronis disease. And they, there was a study where they combined four ingredients. They uh, patented, I think, or like um, registered the Revactin is what it's called. So it contains ginger, citrulline, Maria Puama, and uh, Guarana, I think is the other one. So I think your supplement contains some of those ingredients as well. So I think it would be... Yeah, well, that's actually Dr. Rafer's uh, supplement, Revactin. Oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. So do you it's, use uh, your... It's, it's, it's ginger, Mirapuama, um citrulline and uh, I forget what else. Yeah. But that that's not for Peyronie's disease. Yeah. But it was like also for what well, the research that I've seen is because it upregulates INOS and that helps to break down collagen tissue. So it's not exactly for Peyronie's, but it's helps against them. So it might help in that regard. So when it comes to yeah. Peyronie's disease, do you also do this stack approach where you use uh, nitric oxide boosters, PD5 inhibitors, like the pump, the everything? Well, you know, I use it because it improves nighttime erections. And so uh, when you're asleep at night, you should be getting 30 to 60 minutes of erections every night. And if, if you are, then you're, you're doing more stretching of the penis. And if you're in the active phase of treating Peyronie's disease, then you want to get as much stretching of the penis as possible. So, you know, there's nothing sort of magical about those things that will break down the plaque other than just more stretching. Yeah. Um, Another interesting stuff that I've read is that at least the shockwave therapy can help to reduce pain. So even though it might not necessarily help to fix the curvature, from what I've seen, it at least helps with the pain. So that might be one of the benefits to still do that. And that is is true. And that is actually acknowledged by the urology community is that low intensity shockwave therapy. That's the one thing that it, it, it will do. Um, now the other thing is you could just use a, a traction device or a penis pump, um, to help get rid of the pain too, because I think the pain really comes from trying to stretch tissue that doesn't want to stretch because it's, it's scar tissue. And so if you mechanically stretch that tissue, also, you're going to reduce pain. All right, cool. That would be a cheaper alternative. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So um, we, you touched on this a little bit. So what is the whole package that you would do in synergy to potentiate this whole treatment? Well, you know, it, it's really very patient specific. But if, um, okay, so say you had um, the uh, the richest guy in South Africa uh, come and he's, um, pardon, 
you know, say he's 72 degrees and he's 72 years old and he's got a, you know, a 25 year old hot uh, mistress. And he's like, you know what? Money's no object. And, uh, and just do everything that you possibly can to help me get an erection. And I don't want to stick a needle into my penis, um, you know, to use Trimix and I don't want to get a penile implant. You know, I want this to be um, kind of natural. So I would put them on a nitric oxide booster. I would put them on a daily dose of Tadalafil, five milligrams, before they go to sleep so that they're getting nighttime erections. And then I would allow them to boost with up to 100 milligrams of sildenafil, right? So Viagra. Um, because Viagra and Cialis basically work the same way. The nitric oxide boosts cyclic GMP and the, the Viagra and the, the uh, Cialis or Tadalafil blocks the breakdown of cyclic GMP. Now, once you go past 150 milligrams of Viagra or 30 milligrams of Cialis, there's no additional benefit. It's just basically side effects. So I, wouldn't, I would say don't go beyond that. I would have them use a penis pump and do daily penis stretching right? Because you want to increase the elasticity of that really tough vascular tissue that we talked about earlier. And also you want to bring blood flow into the penis, right? So you want to bring oxygenated blood flow and nutrients to that vascular smooth muscle, right? You talked about as testosterone goes down, you get more um, stiffer tissues, you get uh, less elastin, you get more uh, scar tissue collagen deposition. So daily stretching the penis kind of breaks that up, right? And then I would uh, do low intensity shockwave therapy. You know, the maximum um, benefit is once a week for 12 weeks with a, then a six month break and then another six treatments. And then I would do uh, PRP injections every month. So platelet rich plasma. And we can talk about uh, my PRP protocol when we're done with this um, called P-Long, which is the first, uh, protocol ever scientifically shown to increase the length, girth, and function of a healthy guy's penis. And uh, we're looking for practitioners out in South Africa. So if anyone's listening and they're interested, go to p-long.com and, and learn about it. Um, and I would use high-intensity focused electromagnetic waves. So it's a device made by a company called BTL out of Czechoslovakia. Uh, and my scientific research showed that it improves ejaculation, urination, and erectile function. Also, uh, we can inject someone with uh, a neurotoxin like Botox uh, that will decrease vascular smooth muscle resistance. So that would be sort of the in initial all-in package. And then there are other things that we can use like peptides like PT-141 or bremelanotide, uh, oxytocin, apomorphine. Um, so, you know, if you're out hunting, it always pays to have as many arrows in your quiver as, as possible. Yeah. Right. Seems cool. With the, the penis enlargement, I think you're going to be a billionaire with that method. Like every guy would be interested in <laughs> getting a few. Inches yeah. So, on. you know, the thing is I, I would get guys that would come in and they would, you know, when they, when they do studies, 50% of men want a bigger penis. Right. And the other 50% are lying. Right. <laughs> so, Right. So, I mean, let's just be honest, you know, it's, it's, it's status, it's, it's alpha male, it's whatever. Um, now some people actually take action 
they go and they get fillers injected into the penis or fat transfers. Um, but the problem is you get a bigger shaft, but the head of the penis is still small. So you get what I call a pig in a blanket penis, right? And uh, pig in a blankets are good in cocktail parties, but they're not good in bed. Uh, and if you get a fillers injected into the penis uh, over a year or two, those fillers go away and then you get a lumpy, bumpy penis. Right. And then there are actually surgeries that you can get to increase the size of the penis. But I've seen some real disasters, uh, you know, as second opinions. And so I would really stay away from from those kind of things. And so as a regenerative urologist, I wanted to to help men do this safely because the guys are going to do it. If if a guy's going to makes up his mind, like I need a bigger penis, I'm going to, you know, they're going to do anything in their power to do it. And like, for example, I had a 17 year old patient, right. And he wanted a circumcision and he called up his parents, uh, insurance company and the, the insurance company wouldn't pay for it because it was an elective procedure. And so what did he do as any good 17 year olds would do? He went on YouTube and looked up how to do a circumcision, oh right? So I'm, <laughs> I'm in my office seeing patients. I get a call from the emergency room, you know, we need you right away, Dr. Brandeis. We got a bleeder. So I'm like, you know, can I finish up with my patients? They're like, no, no, no. We need you right now. So I, I go into the emergency room and there's a 17-year-old kid with a big stack of gauze, like bloody gauze on his penis. And so, you know, I went in, I stopped the bleeding, whatever. And uh, so I was talking to him. I'm like, you know, dude, what happened? And he, so he told me this story, you know, it's like first time he got with a girl and the girl looked at his penis and it was uncircumcised and she hadn't seen an uncircumcised penis before. And she was like, eh, what's that? <laughs> and, uh, and so he's like, well, you know, so I called the insurance company and they're like, we don't cover elective circumcisions. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, a 17 year old, you're filled with testosterone, you're stupid as hell, and you're going to do anything you possibly can to get laid. Right. So even if it means you do your own circumcision, that's what you do. <laughs> so he goes on YouTube and he gets a pair of scissors and he gets some rubbing alcohol <laughs> and he cleans off the scissors and then he he starts cutting. Right. And then the first thing you get to is the the superficial and the deep dorsal veins of the penis, which are pretty good sized veins. <laughs> and he starts bleeding like hell and he can't stop it. Right. So he calls 911. And so this is where I come into the story. And so I was like, dude, say you were able to get the skin off. What was your plan after that? He's like, well, I hadn't gotten that far in the video. <laughs> the true Genius. story. <laughs> right. Oh, so, gosh. so guys will do crazy ass shit. Sorry. I hope I'm allowed to curse on your show yeah it's fine um they'll they'll do some crazy ass shit uh in the the name of of making their penis better and so they'll get fillers or they'll get fat transfers or they'll get silicone stuff stuck in there or they'll inject silicone right so i wanted to create something that was totally safe and so what i came up with and uh, you know this was an irb approved study it was listed uh, by the nih on our clinicaltrials.gov website I I wrote up the results. I presented them at the International Society of Sexual Medicine. So we're all a bunch of other weird scientific guys like me go around talking about penises and ejaculation and all that kind of stuff. And and it was accepted for oral presentation, which is the highest level of presentation. And what I found was over a period of six months of injecting platelet-rich plasma once a month and a traction device and a suction device 
and uh, my Affirm nitric oxide boosting supplement that we grew penises almost an inch in length, almost a half an inch in girth and improved function. That's very impressive. And totally safe, right? No pain, no black and blue, no um, nothing, you know, no long-term consequences other than a bigger penis that worked better. And this was, you know, only for men between the ages of 20 and 50, right? If you have erectile dysfunction, you got other issues to worry about. I can't lengthen your penis because I got to figure out how to way to make blood flow go into the penis better. But this is for guys that have good erections, but want a bigger penis. And please don't do something that could cause damage to your penis. This is you're not going to get like, so if you put your penis in a traction device for 10 hours a day for eight to 10 months, you're going to get a longer penis, but it's not going to work any better. And it's going to be long and thin. So you get a pencil penis, (laughs) right? And girls don't like a pencil penis, right? Because women prefer girth over length, right? And so if you go to a, a, you know, a plastic surgeon and get a bunch of filler injected in there, at least for a couple of years, you'll have more girth, which women like, um, but you'll have a pig in a blanket penis. So you'll have a big shaft, but a little head, it kind of looks goofy. And in a couple of years, that filler will go away, you know, like those movie stars that have those really weird looking lips. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, you'll have a shorter, lumpy, bumpy penis, yeah. right? So that's the beauty of the P-Long is that you get a bigger penis. It looks like a normal penis and it functions better. And the other thing is like, you know, if you are a woman, and you were uh, being coming intimate with a guy, and then you saw like, oh, what, what's this? You know, you have a a big silicone implant in the penis, or you have a, a you know a bunch of squishy filler in the penis, like that. I think would turn. I'm not a woman, but I, I think that would turn women off because women are attracted more to a guy's self confidence than penis size, right? If they run a really big penis, you know, get a big vibrator, <laughs> you know, they're, they're attracted to a man and a man with some self-confidence and, and some self-worth. They're not just attracted to, you know, a bigger member. Um, so, but if you're in the P-Long, you know, and you have a, a bigger penis and it works better and it looks natural, you know, now you've hit a home run. That's great. And so, uh, we're, we're actually, you know, I have a, I have providers all over the world, but we don't have anyone in uh, South Africa. So if you're, uh, if you do currently do PRP to the penis, uh, and you're listening to this podcast, please contact me, uh, Doctor D O C T O R at brandeismd.com or just go to p-long.com, and uh, and all the information you need about penile enhancement is there. Uh, the good, the bad, and and the uh, and the better. That's pretty sweet. What's the general cost of such a six-month treatment? Yeah, so that's the other nice thing is that it's $5,000, um, which, I mean, for some people, it's a lot of money. But if you want to get fillers, fillers cost between five dollars and $15,000 because fillers are expensive. Uh, fat transfer, probably $15,000. Uh, the surgeries, you know, anywhere between fifteen dollars and $25,000. So, you know, you're... And now this takes some effort, right? So if you go and you get fillers the next day, your your penis is bigger, but but you know there are a lot of downsides to that. Do you have a- <laughs> there's there's one 
there was one story. There was an Israeli billionaire who uh, I went to Sweden, I think, to get uh, fat transfer for uh, PNL enhancement, and he actually died on the operating table from a fat embolus, right? So if you if you liposuction fat, spin it down, take the the, the fat stem cells and then inject it, but you inject it into the wrong place. If you inject it into the deep dorsal vein of the penis and it travels all the way up into the heart, you actually can kill someone. And this guy died yeah. on the operating room table, right? How would you like, you know, to like your, your friends and your family and your enemies and everyone to know, like you died getting penile enlargement. <laughs> Sad story. Like, it's a double whammy. Like you died and you had a small penis <laughs> and you were insecure about it. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough way to go. <laughs> Very sad story. <laughs> like, I mean, what are they going to put on your gravestone? Yeah. yeah I don't want to imagine that. But yeah. So yeah. Do you have a list of all of these practitioners that can give people this P long treatment? Yeah if, show you go to P dash, yeah, if you go to p-long.com, okay. um, then uh, you, basically you put your location in and, and it tells you, you know, who's, who's the closest uh, position to get it done at. All right, perfect. Oh, I forgot to ask in terms of people with delayed ejaculation, I, I read an interesting study that this shockwave therapy might enhance sensitivity. So I wonder if it might also be helpful for people with delayed ejaculation because like loss of sensitivity can also lead to ED. So maybe that could be a useful use. Yeah, I you know, I haven't seen it. Um, but what I do is I use my, uh, it's called the M-Cella chair. It uses the high intensity focused electromagnetic wave technology. Um, to build what's called the bulbocavernoso and the ischiocavernoso muscles. So they're, they're the ejaculatory muscles at the base of the penis. And so I've been able to uh, significantly improve ejaculatory function in men using that device. Um, there's another medication called cabergoline, uh, and that also will help men with that. So uh, I, you know, in treating hundreds and hundreds of men, with shockwave therapy, I haven't seen them remark that it's been able to, you know, it, it helps you get ejaculation better because you can maintain erection longer. Uh, so you're able to get better stimulation, but in terms of, of nerve function. Now, the other thing is I use PRP to boost nerve function. So for, I have diabetics or trauma patients that, or just regular old folks that say that they're, they've lost sensitivity to the penis and I have a, a technique that I developed uh, of injecting platelet-rich plasma at the frenulum. The frenulum is that area at the base, you know, at the sort of towards the tip of the penis on the underside where the nerves all gather, uh, which is the most sensitive area of the penis. And then also injecting on the dorsal, so kind of the top at the base where the nerve trunks come alongside, and then they dive down to the frenulum. So if you inject platelet-rich plasma along the nerve tract, then you can also increase the sensitivity. So, you know, I wouldn't try that at home. It's not, uh, you know, but, but if you come to someone like me, um, we can, we can help you with that. So there are a bunch of things that we can do to help increase sensitivity and improve the strength of the ejaculatory muscles. Pretty sweet. Okay. That brings us to 
back to the Phoenix. You said you don't like it. It doesn't work very effectively. I was just on their website researching them real briefly. They said they had like a 95% success rate and they use similar technology that they would use in the clinic. So yeah, yeah. what's your thoughts there? So, you know, I mean, I, I know the whole story of the Phoenix um, and, and and the folks there just basically out now lie. There's no study that they can point to that they've ever done that will show a 95% success rate, right? That, you know, I've, I've heard them on podcasts and they say, well, you know, we only get uh, 3% of our devices are returned. So that means 97% of people are happy. Yeah. And so that's where they get that number. Right. So, I mean, it's everything, everything that they do is marketing and there's no science behind it. Uh, and they're, their technology, their patented technology is uh, it's a cam technology for creating the, the, the waves that's very similar to like a, like a vibrator or a, you know, massage device. Um, But they're really good marketers and they're making, you know, they're selling $10 million worth of this stuff, uh, you know, a month. So, and, you know, they're, they're, what really bothers me is that they prey on people's insecurities, right? So if you buy the Phoenix, you're not likely to go to the local post office and return it, right? Because you don't want the, the, the postal guy who you see, you know, once a week to know that you have erectile dysfunction and you're returning the Phoenix, right? And then they're advertising that it, treats Peyronie's disease, which is just like so far-fetched. You know, that when I treat Peyronie's with disease with shockwave therapy, it's it's a very uh, small subset of patients that come for Peyronie's disease. And the tip of the shockwave device that I use is a six millimeter tip versus a 15 millimeter tip that I use for treating erectile dysfunction. And I turn up the power so the idea that the Phoenix could actually treat Peyronie's disease is so far-fetched and there's absolutely zero data that it will do that. Um, so I, I just, you know, that's why I go on podcasts. That's why I I go on, I do media because there's a lot of uh, false information that's put out there um, by people that just want to sell stuff. That's why when I, I I wanted to show that I could increase the length, girth, and function of a penis, I didn't just put together a protocol and say, you know, do it. I actually went through the trouble of recruiting 30 men and having them do measurements and having them answer questionnaires and, you know, getting an IRB and listing it at clinicaltrials.gov and presenting it in front of my colleagues, you know, who are all academic folks, you know, who try to skewer you, uh, you know, uh, criticizing, not criticizing, you know, constructive criticism of your research. How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? You know, this may not be the best way to, to do the measurements, et cetera, et cetera. So that I could, one, prove to myself that it worked. Uh, and two, you know, prove to the world and and to give people expectations of what what to expect um, 
but people that are just out there to make money don't do that. They just go out there and they make these incredibly false claims and they go on podcasts and run their mouth. Uh, and that, you know, that just really bothers me because it, it, you know, you're obviously a smart guy and you're putting a lot of really good information out there and you do your homework uh, and it, but it makes people like you and I who do our homework look bad uh, because we get heaped in with a bunch of people that are, are not um, doing their homework. They're just out there making false claims to make money. And, you know, when you and I were talking today, everything that I say, I try to base with some sort of study that I've read that's been properly done by people that are, you know, have good reputations um, because that's the only way that I'll make a claim. I, I won't make a claim like 97% success rate because people don't send their devices back or this treats Peyronie's disease because it seems to be similar to another device that's out there that may or may not treat Peyronie's disease. Yeah. yeah. Given that based on research, the success rate is about 50 to 60% in studies. And then like, wow, they have 95% success rate. Well, you must have a very significant and amazing device to have yeah, that kind I mean, of success rate. <laughs> but, you know, they're making over a hundred million bucks a year. Yeah, that's that's good, good money. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, he, he, you know, they'll they'll convince people to buy it and you know it there's probably a little bit of benefit so you know if you live out in the middle of nowhere and there's you don't have access to any shockwave device um you know it may not be a bad thing but but the other really important thing is remember you're having erectile dysfunction because you have vascular disease and that's a disease condition that will progress and 10 years from now, you're going to have heart problems. So, you know, don't just buy a Phoenix and fix your erectile function or try to fix your erectile dysfunction. Don't just get some Viagra and put a patch on it. Figure out why you have the problem and change your lifestyle. Ultimately, that's going to benefit you in so many other ways beyond erectile function. Exactly. Uh, this I'm quite fascinated by this Peyronie's disease. So the last thing I'll say, and then we can quit this podcast, is um, I helped a guy with, he had, he didn't have curvature, he had hourglass figure, and he applied DHT topically. So this is perhaps something that maybe you can also look into because the genitals are so high in androgens itself and DHT being the strongest. So I had him apply DHT and within, I think it was either three to six months, completely reversed his hourglass figure. So that was quite really? significant. Yeah, because the, huh. the androgens will stimulate the stem cells in the penis to create smooth muscle tissue. So in a low androgen state, the, the, the stem cells, and when estrogen is high, go to fat tissue. So that's when you create also a vasogenic ED. So recreating, and that's why people with, in, in my experience, with finasteride, they start to get shrinkage in this uh, hardening of the penis because of the low DHT, because the shrinkage. The same thing with people on PSSD, who use serotonin drugs, it also tanks your androgens and that causes this ejaculated problems in ED. So that was just something interesting I wanted to mention. Um, I think it will work quite well to combine like a penis bump with an androgen, like everything else you're doing, what might be quite synergistic. Um, I think that was it for this podcast. I really appreciate all the valuable wisdom and nuggets you, you shared. Is there one last thing or a few last things, closing thoughts you want to leave with us? Oh boy. Um, 
So, you know, you, you told me that you, uh, you took a look at my book, 21st Century Man. And so uh, all of the, the wisdom that I have accumulated over 25 years of, uh, of seeing patients and doing research uh, and the wisdom of 60 of my uh, colleagues uh, from all variety of different, um, uh, different specialties is accumulated in the 21st Century Man, which is over 900 pages and 101 chapters. And, uh, and it's available on Audible and as an ebook. Um, and, uh, and you don't have to read it cover to cover. It's really, uh, uh, they call it the Dude Bible. It's kind of a reference book for, for men written by experts in each of the fields. But they're, they're not like academic experts. They're private practice experts. So like, you know, regular guys like me that were trying to give you really good advice about everything from sexual function to the prostate, to the heart, to the brain, to sleep, to addictions, to lifestyle, to aesthetics, to mental health, to emotional health, to relationship health, uh, everything under the sun. So uh, I'd love it if uh, you could pick up a copy of The 21st Century Man and become The 21st Century Man. The Dude Bible, indeed. I will put links in the description for everyone so you can get that book. Uh, it's definitely filled with valuable nuggets. All right, uh, Dr. Justin, it was an amazing podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. And maybe we can do it second in the future. You're, uh, we only scratched like the surface of your knowledge. So you know so much more. That was like intrigued by questions, but I wanted to stay on track. But it was awesome. So I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming on. You got it. Thanks for having me.